Well, good morning, and in fact, good afternoon and good evening to everyone tuning in from around the world and the green tech, green tech community for the second edition of the Autonomous Greenhouse Challenge. My name is Tom Freyberg, and I'll be your moderator for the next 90 minutes. And what an action-packed, fun and engaging morning we have planned for you today. And it really marks an important milestone in the journey towards the development of autonomous greenhouses. We are bringing you the premier league of computer scientists and horticultural experts who challenge themselves to demonstrate the capabilities and overcome the limitations of AI technologies. Wageninger University and Research, together with Tencent, attracted over 20 teams with more than 200 participants, including 26 nationalities, to participate in the initial hackathon. The best five teams were then selected to run a growing experiment in a real greenhouse with their AI algorithms. And so this morning, you're going to find out who has been crowned the overall winner of the Autonomous Greenhouse Challenge. And we're also going to ask some fundamental questions when it comes to providing sustainable food in the future. How can state-of-the-art autonomous greenhouses spread throughout Europe and further afield from the Netherlands? What are the main challenges when it comes to developing and scaling autonomous greenhouses? And what did the teams learn on AI and sensors? And what could they do better? Now, we can't join in person due to the current circumstances. However, we're not going to let that deter us from creating a great atmosphere around the world and also build up momentum until we can announce the winner. And we really want you, the audience, to uh, interact and engage. There's going to be multiple points where you can vote on polls and ask speakers and panelists questions. You're going to see a mix between uh, video presentations and get to see some of the, uh, the team captains. And just a little bit of housekeeping as well. During the section when you'll be uh, seeing the Q&A with the team captains, please make sure you click on the Rubik's Cube type icon to make sure you can see everyone. If you have any technical issues during the webinar, make sure you put them into chat. But if you have any questions for the speakers, please make sure you put them into the Q&A box. So just to differentiate between the two. So now, before we get underway, I'd like to introduce our host for the day to join me. So um, please, uh, Mariska Dreschler, the Director of Horticulture for Green Tech Amsterdam. Mariska, come in. Are you excited for the day? Hello, Tom. Yes, I'm very excited. You can count on that. Yes. Great. So uh, give, us a, give us a few words just from, from Green Tech, if you will. Yes, of course. Well, I've prepared a few words, so I go ahead with it. A very warm welcome to you all. Thank you so much for your presence at this Green Tech Talk, organized together with Wageningen University and research and sponsors. As we all know, we just cannot replace the great experience of Green Tech as a physical trade event with approximately 500 exhibitors and over 13,000 visitors from, from 113 countries. But as an exhibition organizer, and, and I personally, we very much believe in this power of meeting each other in person. But in the meantime, we can reach out to you via this online medium. And although it's getting quite crowded on the highway of online events, I am so glad that you turn to us and find the time to be connected with us. You are part of the Grinter community and we are very proud to have you here. Up from the beginning of Green Tech in 2014, we plan to be your connector the whole year round. So next to our physical events, like our online talk shows, our monthly newsletters, the marketplace on our website and live streaming of the Green Tech summits and so on. 
And now with COVID-19 hitting us, our online tools are the gateway to reach you. This is the first day of what should be Green Tech in Amsterdam. The next three days, we want to offer you three great and inspiring moments that focus on your profession in horticulture. Today, the second edition of the Autonomous Greenhouse Challenge. And tomorrow we dive into the world of controlled environment agriculture and its important contribution in providing a safe and secure food production system to feed the world. Wednesday, you will be informed about the current status of medicinal cannabis. Is it still a green rush and how to optimize your crop production? But let's focus on today's webinar. And before we start the actual program, Tom, I'm very interested to see who we have as an audience in our midst. So shall we have a look at who is present? That's a great idea. Let's bring up the first poll, please. Good. So um, yeah, let's, let's find out exactly where we have people tuning in from around the world. So um, if you could just take a quick moment to uh, fill that in, please. So North America, South America, Europe, Africa, Middle East, Asia, Oceania, Whereabouts are you guys tuning in from around the world? And just a added bit of housekeeping, this is being uh, streamed live on Facebook and is being recorded for a later date uh, on Tom, demand. Maybe good to know. Um, we have over 2000 registrations for the whole three days and um, registrations for more than 100 countries. So I'm very proud of that. And I'm very curious, curious to know how, uh, yeah, how the spit is right now. So can we see the results, please? Oh, look at that. So, well, that makes it quite clear. Obviously, because of the time, North America and South America is, uh, is some down, but Europe is, is very, um, well, present. Uh, Africa, the Middle East, Asia, and even from Oceania, from Australia, New Zealand. That's really great. Wow. Fantastic. We have some very keen uh, green tech community fans in North America. That's that's quite early in the morning or late at night. Yes. But um, let's bring up the second poll, Mariska, if we can, just to see in which part of the industry people from uh, the, the green tech are from. So here we go. Um, what is the main activity of your organization? So a grower, breeder, retailer, flowers and vegetables, technical equipment provider, education, research and investment company. So just whilst we give people a moment to answer, um, Riska, how would you expect this uh, these demographics to be split from the visitors to your physical event in Green Tech? Yeah, well, normally uh, we have uh, a lot of growers, of course, and investors, and uh, a lot of business to business. But I, uh, I, I think that we have some more research now in our midst. Very good. So uh, let's bring up the result of that one. Okay, so uh, 30% is technical equipment providers, 18% grower breeders, um, education research, you're right there, Mariska, 26%, so a healthy amount. So a nice spread across the, uh, the supply chain um, of horticulture and green tech. Great stuff. Well, uh, Mariska, thank you very much for the introduction. We're going to come back to you at the end for um, some yes. closing remarks. And uh, we'd now like to introduce our... Thank you. We'd now like to introduce our keynote speaker for the day. Now, I've had the pleasure to introduce many CEOs, CTOs, CDOs, in fact, a whole range of uh, chief executives, but I've never introduced a CXO. So our keynote speaker today is, in fact, the chief exploration officer, the CXO of Tencent, one of the largest internet companies in the world. He joined Tencent back in 2000 when the company only had 45 employees. Today, over 60,000 
And in his words, he's, he's helped to grow an organization that is built to last with positive global impact. Now, today, the company is not only the force behind WeChat, but it's also involved in smart retail, healthcare, transportation, education. And on his LinkedIn profile, David says, life is too short not to have a good time whilst doing it. So we're looking for some of that fun this morning. And uh, he believes we should stay curious about how information technology can really enhance human life. He has a degree, a master's degree from the University of California and a Bachelor of Arts from the University of Washington. And when it comes to indoor farms, he really believes they have the promise to help human populations grow more food using less resources with more productivity. And most importantly, he believes we should move and do this with a great degree of urgency. So on that note of urgency, it's without further ado, I'd like to hand over to David Wallerstein, the CXO of Tencent. David, over to you, come in. Thank you, Tom, and thank you for everyone for having me uh, this morning or whatever time it is uh, around the world. First of all, I would like to say, I just hope everyone is safe and healthy. Uh, these are obviously very challenging times and we're learning more and more about the importance and power of technology in these times, like being able to have this very uh, conference online now, um, uh, this is quite new for me as well. So I hope we're all learning that we can uh, make a lot of progress uh, despite the challenges we have by using technology. Um, it's very uh, gratifying to see the evolution of, um, of this competition, which really uh, started in 2017. And uh, for those of you not familiar with uh, how we started this, I think it's actually interesting to share, share it because um, maybe this uh, example can help in inspire other teams. Uh, I was uh, working out of Silicon Valley. Uh, Tencent, as many of you know, is a, a company based in uh, China or having significant operations in China. And Wageningen is in the Netherlands. And we uh, didn't have contact with each other uh, before. So we kind of met. Uh, basically through the internet online, and we started exploring ideas. And we, we had a passion at the time for thinking about how technology can address uh, food security and challenges in food security, and how, um, how in particular artificial intelligence could be interesting um, to explore. So we, we had a lot of ideas, and we finally settled on this challenge as a way to start working together. And, and so I want to say that because every, uh, every initiative starts with a little bit of a spark and a simple idea. And over time, uh, it becomes more complicated. It becomes enriched. And here we are uh, roughly three years later, and we could ask ourselves, did we ask the right question? And I think the answer is absolutely. This focus on artificial intelligence uh, driving productivity in greenhouses is, uh, I think it's a real game changer. And in fact, I think one of the conclusions of today is I think with this second competition, we have um, decisively demonstrated that AI is a true game changer for uh, productivity, for cultivating plants in greenhouse environments. And I think it opens up a whole new universe of possibilities for food production on earth and agriculture on earth. And the implications of this will probably be um, you know, unfolding for many years from now. So this would definitely be the headline from my speech, I think is that we have now uh, really, I think, decisively demonstrated the power of AI in growing food. But before I go into more details, I just wanted to thank uh, everyone involved in this, particularly everyone at Wageningen, uh, the judges, our uh, partners and co-sponsors, and also the human growers. Uh, let's not forget, they're the ones doing the pruning, they're the ones uh, doing the harvesting, and they're also uh, 
the very uh, willing uh, competitors, they've known since the beginning of this competition, uh, there's five very talented teams out to get them and prove that they can grow faster than them. And they've been really great uh, sports in, in that and, and very much part of the process. So I just wanted to thank them. And also uh, I wanted to in particular thank uh, Dr. Silk Hemming, who has done so much as kind of the heart and soul of this initiative from the beginning. And I'm sure uh, many of you have had a chance to meet her and work with her, but uh, I can't see her face now, but hats off to you in particular, uh, Silk, for really at every moment driving this competition. Um, just a few reflections now as we start thinking about the implications of what we learned and extrapolating that to the industry. Uh, it's very interesting to reflect uh, when we were designing the first competition that we weren't sure if this was going to be an interesting competition in that the AI may not have been good enough. <laughs> this was always a possibility. And if your results aren't good, if your plants are dying, there's not much to talk about. Well, I think things have very much gone in the other way. Uh, we have shown the power of AI. We showed it uh, in our last competition when we had uh, Microsoft, uh, their team as the winner and other teams performing really well. Uh, and I think we've got some fantastic results to share short, shortly from this year's competition. We can say, I think, decisively that we have seen the AI teams even uh, raise the bar from where they were last year. We've seen better performance, a more decisive uh, uh, advantage uh, using various types of AI strategies. And different teams are using different kinds of sensors and using the actuators in different ways because they have implications and interactive feedback loops between each other. There's a rich amount of things you can do with your AI strategies informed by sensors and irrespective of the strategies, every team showed something uh, exciting to, to offer and to think about. So this is very important. Also, let's also step back and reflect the, in the same way that we're doing this meeting online, uh, we have essentially tested the power of AI through a pandemic, which uh, has affected most all of our lives, I'm sure, around the world. And uh, there's almost a sub-question that comes from that. Can AI perform uh, well in a pandemic? Can it contribute to food security and food productivity even when we have these challenging times? And I think, again, the decisive answer is yes. So we've also essentially tested uh, these strategies throughout the course of a pandemic and they've shown their value in that context. It's also very exciting. Um, okay, so great. So now let's continue to talk a little bit more about um, next steps for greenhouses. I'd like to extrapolate now and ask some questions for future researchers, uh, future scientists, for future technologists to think about the implications of what we're learning and other associated areas. So uh, next slide, please. Um, as we think about the significance of these findings, I really feel like uh, what we've learned with artificial intelligence can transform um, the industry. And already we can start to have a desire to get more data. We've, we've done this competition for cucumbers. We've done this com competition now for tomatoes, cherry tomatoes. But we, uh, we have questions about so many other crop types. And can this artificial intelligence driven, can these strategies for using artificial intelligence, can they actually be game changers in terms of the unit economics for other crop types? And to test these questions, we need more data. So I think uh, on, on different crop types, how they, how they perform, how they are simulated. Um, so this is a very rich area going forward. How far can we push the boundaries 
using these intelligent strategies now to uh, to get to to demonstrate uh, do we have a, a game changer with other crop types? It's very very exciting. Uh, I also think when we do business cases for greenhouses going forward, the fundamental business case may be transformed by the power of AI to drive the different unit economics of those business models um, in various ways. It may have impact on expertise, uh, location. It may have an impact on, uh, on productivity models and profitability models. This could really be a, a game changer and there's no going back. It only gets more interesting as we further develop uh, these technologies. So that's very exciting. Um, and it could even have a positive ecological impact over time as more and more food production uh, may, in some cases, you know, shift to greenhouses. We actually may be using less water, less pesticides, uh, less land, so on and so forth, to achieve the productivity goals that we have for feeding the world. Um, so it's not just a business question, but also an ecological question as well. Um, and then I start thinking about, uh, are there new uh, ways of actually scaling greenhouses? Could we, uh, because if you can cover with autonomous strategies, if you can cover larger and larger uh, bits of land or, or, or scales of greenhouses, uh, can the fact that they're autonomously driven allow you to manage larger greenhouses, larger spaces with less labor intensity to pull it off and, and doing it better than uh, the human uh, groups may be able to do otherwise. So I think this is really interesting. Finally, uh, there may be a point in time where our food security uh, concerns are so important that we find it more interesting to have a trade-off between indoor farming and outdoor farming because with the indoor strategies, we can get more certainty. We can guarantee the environmental conditions in the greenhouse, whereas the climate around us may be shifting uh, in parts of the world, as we've seen, you can even have locust outbreaks, pathogen outbreaks, um, whereas when you're in, indoor, in an indoor environment, you can protect against those risks. So there may be a, a challenge uh, or a new opportunity to think about the business case. Do you uh, grow certain things outdoors versus indoors as we can drive more productivity with more certainty. Um, so again, uh, that's very interesting. Now, another point I'd like to make uh, as the slide is referring to here is, uh, I believe we're going to discover that on earth, there are regions of the earth that may be better suited uh, for greenhouse uh, cultivation than others. Uh, in the same way that for outdoor agriculture, we have our central valleys um, of the world. And, and usually the, uh, the advantage with uh, the, uh, the environments on Earth usually relate to abundance of free energy, uh, both in terms of climate and in terms of sun. And I think uh, likewise with, with greenhouses, we need places with, for example, uh, abundant heat or at a very low cost being able to modulate your heat control. Uh, you might need it hot and you might need to cool down. So you need to be able to do that. Uh, you need abundant green energy uh, with very low uh, marginal costs abundant water, inexpensive land, uh, being close to ports. All, when you line up all these factors, I become very interested in questions such as, um, what is the promise of Arctic environments? For example, wouldn't make any sense for traditional agriculture, but for greenhouses, if you take, for example, uh, a country like Iceland, which has abundant green energy, uh, many of those factors I just mentioned, abundant heat from geothermal sources, 
you could actually uh, find regions such as, uh, such as Iceland with very ideal conditions. And we're actually conducting another uh, research project into that very question. And we hope to uh, share some results with this group and others uh, when those uh, results are ready, uh, hopefully later this year. Um, but that's something to consider. Um, so now uh, you can see with the next slide, talking about CO2 emissions. Uh, can we actually back up to CO2 emissions? Uh, yes, thank you. Um, so uh, this is a, um, as we know, greenhouses require uh, CO2. And uh, often that CO2 that is added uh, doesn't necessarily come from clean sources. We may burn fuels uh, and use the uh, CO2 uh, uh, as, a, uh, as a side product, and then it's useful for greenhouses. Um, the CO2 intensity of greenhouses is something that should be addressed as the strategy becomes more and more important on Earth. Uh, depending on how you measure the CO2 intensity uh, in the greenhouse space, uh, you could find that it could be many hundreds of megatons of CO2 that the industry uses. And it could even be more than 1% of total global emissions, uh, depending on how you measure it. And I think there's more research that needs to be done to actually measure it. And of course, the plants are sequestering CO2 um, by doing their photosynthetic work. So we're not exactly sure what the net emissions are. But what we can say is uh, this is a rich area for more research. How do we apply uh, CO2? Maybe that's a, an opportunity for actuators with greater efficiency to more, uh, more accurately or precisely uh, deliver it to the plant and have it used by the plant and, and result in less waste. Do we need to think about uh, ways to recirculate CO2 in our greenhouse environments so it doesn't uh, go away into the atmosphere, which is exactly what we're trying to avoid. Uh, this is a rich area uh, to, uh, to consider for research, design of greenhouses, uh, actuators for delivering CO2. Uh, I leave it as a research question that I think is important. And as a greenhouse industry, we should be uh, staying ahead of questions about this, we should leave it to ourselves to be the ones to, uh, to drive the, uh, the questions and, and research that will guide the industry. But I think it's important to mention this. Um, next slide, please. Another area that I think is actually quite exciting to explore is how can we, uh, on the other hand, uh, drive the development of seed types, whether it's through breeding or, as I say here, uh, genetic engineering is another approach. Uh, however, you uh, you manage and design your optimized seeds. Can we think about opportunities to marry uh, cultivars, seed types, to be optimized for very precise uh, ecological environmental conditions in the greenhouse, which we know we can control with significant accuracy and increasing ac accuracy, especially with autonomous strategies. So uh, if you can just imagine breeds of plants that are entirely um, optimized to work under precise greenhouse conditions that we can explore. Um, how much, to what extent can we get productivity yields from marrying uh, these strategies uh, together? Uh, I think this is a very significant opportunity. I look forward to uh, seeing more research and projects around this going forward. Um, uh, next slide, please. Finally, uh, I think there's a question here uh, for many of our participants and our competitors. Uh, what does this look like as a business? Um, commercializing some of these uh, operations is a major opportunity for the greenhouse industry. We have uh, 
over 500,000 hectares of uh, greenhouses uh, on earth and much more infrastructure going up all the time. Uh, there's a potential to make all of this infrastructure more intelligent with significant productivity gains, saving on resources, driving profits. And uh, we should ask ourselves, uh, what could this business model look like? Is, this, is it a subscription? Is it priced per hectare? Do we bundle in the sensors uh, and some actuators up front? How do we pay for that? Who's willing to pay? What are the gains? What do the business cases look like? Uh, I very much uh, want to encourage uh, this community here to explore the question. And I know some of our competitors now have some really great evidence uh, regarding uh, the strength of their strategies that might help them launch, uh, launch businesses uh, or solutions uh, based on what they've developed here. So it's a very exciting opportunity. So. Um, Thank you again, uh, and we wish uh, everyone uh, uh, you know, a wonderful journey exploring these technologies and can't wait to hear the results from the teams. So thank you. David, thank you very much. If we were in an auditorium or a room, I'd ask everyone to give a huge round of applause. Everyone's no doubt tuning in from, from their homes and offices around the world. But uh, thank you. Really insightful chat. And I think you raised some, some deeper questions. But um, we have a few questions from the audience to, um, to put to you in the next five minutes. But before we do, let's do a quick audience poll. Um, if we can just bring up the poll to find out what you thought um, tuning in was the key um the key point that you learned from david's presentation there so first of all ai has now been demonstrated to significantly boost productivity in greenhouses uh, b there are potential and business cases for large-scale greenhouses to meet global food demands or c commercialization of ai dealing with co2 and exploring ties with genetic engineering will boost large-scale greenhouse production so what was the key learning from from uh, you guys there at the audience um, if we can just bring up the uh, the results of that polling quickly, there we go. So it's a pretty close race there, David. But um, the last point: commercialization of AI dealing with CO two and exploration ties with genetic engineering. So um, great stuff. Well, thank you for voting. We have some um, some questions from the audience. So uh, first of all, from uh, Ron Seligman, uh, looking backwards, would you say that AI limitations are as low? as human knowledge and coding skill limitations to formulate the algorithm. Any thoughts on that, David? So it's kind of tapping into the human skill side of things. Well, I think increasingly uh, it's a marriage of the two, right? Uh, if you look at our team compositions, for example, they're roughly half and half uh, domain experts in areas like biology, agriculture, horticulture, and the other half being AI folks. and. Uh, having uh, interacted, for example, with our Tencent AI team uh, quite a bit, uh, who's been you know, working with a WR since, uh, since we started this in 2017, I know quite a number of those uh, members uh, don't necessarily have domain knowledge. They're really experts in AI. And I think, uh, I, I think we can say that it's all important and we're all learning from each other and the strategies are, are, are informing each other. And let's also not forget the role that we still have now with human beings uh, doing the pruning, doing the harvesting, even for the AI teams. And the AI teams may be instructing them how to do the pruning, when to do the pruning, when to do the harvesting. That's also a strategic decision that will affect uh, the growth of the plant. Um, so we, we haven't fully automated every single aspect of this. There's a very important human component. Um, 
both in terms of designing those AI strategies as well as actually, you know, the actuators are still human hands, even if they're receiving a, a human command for what the humans would like those individuals to do. So I think, uh, I think it's, not, it's neither our, you know, this or that, it's all of it, all of it's important. But what we are finding, it's important for this conclusion here is that the, using these AI strategies can give us a completely different outcome and a better outcome higher net profit, higher productivity, saving on resources. So obviously the game changer here is being empowered by those AI strategies. Very good. I think it's, it's we can say, you know, diversified and multi-skilled teams um, connecting with AI as well. But um, the questions come in because you talked a bit about the changing business models and even locations of greenhouses. And uh, Hoob Franson has said, who will own future greenhouses? AI is a high value asset with significant cost. So question on ownership, do you see that kind of changing hands with, with the changing business models you said, David? Uh, for like uh, greenhouse ownership? Well, I think, um, I think there's a greater role for, uh, for AI companies. Uh, this is looking forward to the future for them to maybe be co-investors. You know, with a greenhouse, you still have to think about real estate and infrastructure architecture, uh, steel, you know, and glass and all this stuff, right? Uh, that's not going to change. But it could be that as uh, certain companies uh, build up their expertise in this area and, and they build up a capital base by providing services in this area that they can also participate as an investor. Uh, we don't have, you know, much of that these days as far as I know. It's usually, uh, you know, a certain group of greenhouse experts that are doing traditional experts. But I think that's definitely... Uh, possible, but I think a lot will still go into the ownership of a greenhouse, um, not just only the AI strategy. Uh, but again, like I was saying, AI uh, players could become increasingly important co-participants in, in that. Okay, so more, more scope and opportunity for co-participation. Well, um, David, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for um, on, on the Q&A. We have lots of other questions and comments coming in. So don't worry, we'll make sure we direct these to David and the Tencent team to try and get back to you. So uh, thank you to the audience for those questions. And uh, David, thank you again for your valuable input and also predictions looking forward to the future. Um, we'd now like to uh, hand over to, as David described, the heart and the soul of the competition. So it gives me great pleasure to introduce a very important person when it comes to the Autonomous Greenhouse Challenge and someone who most of you will recognize. She's been at Wageningen University since 2007 and is head of the scientific research team on greenhouse technology. An expert on the field of novel greenhouse design concepts and modern greenhouse coverings. She's also been the project leader for several international research projects on greenhouse systems on, um, in different climate zones worldwide. So this includes uh, design greenhouse concepts for tropical lowland areas uh, in Indonesia through to subtropical climate of Taiwan and Japan and also sustainable greenhouses for semi-arid climates in Australia. So true international experience here. And her research group has expertise on the field of energy saving, greenhouse climate, water saving, modeling and lots of different areas. So um, Dr. Silke Hemming, I'm now uh, delighted to pass over to you. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so excited to be uh, on this seminar today. And uh, I think you said the most important thing at the end. Um, 
my team. So um, I'm here representing the Word team, but uh, I, I'm not the one doing all the work. It's, uh, it's a whole uh, team uh, behind me. Uh, otherwise, we could not have done uh, uh, this challenge. And uh, so what we did uh, the last um, three quarter of a year is really gathering people from all over the world, making it really international with different backgrounds, different greenhouse systems, different climates uh, in their background um, uh, together uh, in this competition. And um, what we do in the competition is to make decisions on climate strategy, on uh, growing strategies, but uh, we still have humans in, in the greenhouse doing all the uh, uh, crop work, although they have been instructed by the AI uh, of, the, of the teams uh, around the world. In order to summarize um, this competition, we have uh, prepared a um, short video. And I will come back later to you to present also results we gathered. We were so excited to see that uh, artificial intelligence can actually outperform a human uh, control group uh, in our last autonomous greenhouse competition. And we're really excited to see what the teams can show us the potential AI is in this upcoming competition. So in the challenge, the different teams will have to show what their artificial intelligence is capable of to grow a good crop. And the nice thing of this challenge is that we see that the five teams are doing it all in a bit different way. The, the reason that we want to join this competition is to actually to test our AI strategy and try to use our AI strategy in a real case and to see what will happen. Last year we had a very nice experience and we think we still have a lot of things to improve this year. That's why we yeah, enhance our AI team and try to win this game again. We're trying to incorporate all the new available technologies in like uh, conventional equipment to have a consistent control but also being able to add new technology all the time. So that's, that's the approach. I think we have a, a deep knowledge in two different domains. On the one end, the, the greenhouse or the, the horticulture domain from Delphi. And on the other end, the data infrastructure, data engineering part, which is very important. Uh, we are enjoying this work a lot. We are willingly participating in this work, simply because we are enjoying this work so much. That's a, that, that gives a lot of strength to the to Team Digilog, I believe. Nou, waarom ik meedoet, omdat ik van uitdagingen houd en ik denk dat door de middel van ja, innovatie wij verder mee kunnen komen. Nou, het doel is eigenlijk heel makkelijk. Uh, niet verliezen, dat is punt 1. En punt 2 is de hoogst mogelijke kwaliteit, goede smaak en een goede balans in de plant. Dat is belangrijk. Side, the, the fruit growth period is registered uh, while 
zitten ze al vanaf week 5 op 5,4 klanten per vierde meter. Riedel 2 had een hele snelle start. En dan afpakte het afleggen wel, er gebeurde niks meer. Uh, 303, te snel de start. Nu gaat het hartstikke goed en uh, er zit er een keiharde sprint in. 304, je kan zien dat er niet uh, met heel veel power geteeld is, maar echt mooie tomaten. 305, ook hele mooie tomaten. Uh, aan het eind hebben ze toch nog weer een ijsprintje met een extra stengel. Ik ben benieuwd. 306, bij de beste kast die erbij zit. Echt mooie tomaten, veel tomaten, extra stengel. Okay, so we hope you enjoyed the video there prepared by uh, Wageningen University and Tencent. We're now, you got to see some of the teams and the team captains, but we're now going to bring them back on to uh, have a quick uh, introduction followed by Q&A. So if all of the team captains could please uh, switch on their videos and audio as well, and then we're going to go through one by one just for a quick 30 second introduction. So. Um, let's let's bring in first of all Ted Dalvestein, um, who is our reference grower. Ted, come in, please. Please give us a, a thirty-second uh, rapid introduction to you and uh, your business as well, please. Hello. Hello, hi, Ted. Ted Hello. Hi, we can hear you perfectly well, and we can see you. Nice, nice background. Please uh, give us a few words about uh, who you are and uh, your yeah. your growing business as well, please. Uh, my name is uh, Ted Duivenstein. We have a uh, family company in uh, Pijnakker, Duivenstein Tomatoes. For a generation and decades, we are growing tomatoes. We are committed to this way with a minimum impact and environment and the uh, minimum use of your new uh, natural uh, resources. And the moment we have a growing, uh, growing area of 15 hectares, uh, and at this moment, we are constructing another 10 hectare. This explanation we are pre we create for the use of autonomous modules for growing. Perfect. Thank you, Ted. Thank you. We'll uh, stay where you are. We're going to come back to you for the, uh, the yeah. first questions. But um, let's bring in uh, the team captain of uh, RUA Cast, which is uh, Bo Zhao. Bo, come in. Give Hello. us, uh, give uh, us a few hi. words about yourself. Hello. Um, yes. Uh, good morning. I'm Bojo, uh, team captain of uh, IUA Cars. It's the second time I've done to participate in this challenge, and uh, now this year we have a team of 50 members, most are Chinese, and including three uh, Dutch friends, and also three are working in Belgium. And um, okay, yeah, glad to be here and um, to learn something. Thank you, Bo. Great to see the uh, the international team and uh, stay where you are. We're going to come back to you some questions as well. So let's bring in uh, Digilog, Hyun Kwon Su from, uh, from Korea. Uh, Su, are you there? Give us, uh, give us a few words about your team and, uh, and your solution yeah, hi. this year, please. Hi, Su. Hi. Yeah, this is a team Digilog. Uh, Digilog is a combination of two words, uh, digital and analog. Uh, digital indicates modern and advanced technology while analog indicates agricultural practices, including greenhouse operations. Uh, we aim uh, for the harmony between these two things. 
Uh, Team Digilog consists of four public and private universities and seven different companies. We gathered here in Gangnam Seoul, uh, as you can see in the behind. And I give thanks to, to the members of Team Digilog. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Sue. And uh, good to see the class behind you. A few waves there as well. Hello to all of you. <laughs> Hi. So um, let's bring in uh, Klaus von Eggman from the Automators. Klaus, uh, I saw you pop up earlier. Please uh, say a few words about uh, you and the team, please. Hi, everybody. My name is Klaus von Egmond. Uh, on the picture, you see part of the team, the Automators. Uh, we're a team consisting of uh, experts of Delphi and 30 megahertz. Um, yeah, we are very happy to uh, attending this uh, challenge a second time. Uh, also, this time again, we learned a lot. Uh, we are very eager to, uh, to get the results from this challenge, but maybe even more importantly, uh, apply them into practice. Thank you. Very uh, succinct summary. Thank you, Klaus. So now um, let's bring in uh, Leonard Bardelefeil from the Automatoes, not the Automators, the Automatoes. So uh, Leonard, if you can come in, please. Give us, uh, give us a few words about you and the team. Yes, yes thank, thank you very much. Uh, well, actually, you can see most of the team here behind me. We are, uh, my name is Leonard Bartlefay, and we are Team Automatoes. We are actually a combination of a lot of experience in uh, horticulture, but uh, Hogendorn and uh, Van der Hoeve building and uh, controlling greenhouses. And on the other hand, we have uh, two uh, research-focused organizations, Keygene and uh, Technical University Delft, and we try to let those worlds collide. That's what we do. Hello to all of you as well. Saw some waves in the background. So uh, there we go. We have people tuning in from around the world. Fantastic. Well, um, so we have uh, 10 minutes of Q&A and then we're going to um, come to the audience for, uh, for a quick poll. So please stay tuned. Um, Ted, let's, uh, we started with you. So let, let's bring you in on this. Um, I mean, you're, you're the reference grower. So why don't you talk us through some of the, the main challenges you face when it comes to your infrastructure operating your greenhouses. Talk us through your sort of some of your, your biggest bugbears at the moment and challenges that you'd, you'd like to see overcome with this, uh, with this competition. Um, uh, uh, greenhouse, uh, an autonomous greenhouse can be contribute to a situation where you use the world's resources less and more efficient with an end of short lead uh, circular process. This uh, efficiency we will need to supply enjoy the healthy food for an streeting for world population, every support we need for this. A data with uh, gained will be used for more insight of for the crop growing and future possible for robot sharing and enter greenhouses. Okay, thank you, Ted. So, um, um, you think this can help really um, with, you know, autonomous greenhouses can help accelerate a circular economy, right? And more yeah. local growing. Expand a bit more upon that, will you? Yeah. So uh, in terms of, because I know Ted's sustainability, you know, um, yeah. circular economies, these are issues quite close to you as a, a grower, right? So is, is that the part of the competition that, that excites you the most about this? Yeah, I think that Autonome Greenhouse to help uh, to solve this challenge, we've created for more stability and circular for the uh, local horti uh, culture. And um, yeah. 
Brilliant. Okay. Well, uh, Ted, stay where you are. Thank you very much for your yeah. input there. Um, good to hear from you, especially the focus on circularity. But um, let's, uh, so Klaus, let's, let's bring you back. Um, so you actually took part in uh, last year's competition, right? So you're an experienced hand when it comes to this. Um, how did your, your sort of approach change compared to the first edition? What did you do differently this time? Well, uh, Tom, I don't know if you know, but tomatoes are a little bit different from cucumbers. So uh, that, of course, is a, is a big change already. Um, <laughs> it's a starting point. But of yep. course, it's a lot more similar than potatoes. So um, we also had a lot of similarities in our approach. Um, I think the main difference was uh, compared to the last challenge is that now we got uh, more time to uh, prepare um, and not only the technical systems, but also the way we wanted to monitor it um, and uh, everything we wanted to do. So we had a better preparation, I think, to, uh, to do it in a more, even more autonomous fashion, let's say. So while well, during the first challenge, a lot of uh, human attention was needed for monitoring. Um, um, this time around, it was more automated and we could relax a bit more, but maybe even a little bit too much relaxed. Exactly. You don't want to relax too much, Klaus, no, right? Never. So, okay, good stuff. So more time to prepare, perhaps more insight from the first year. But um, I mean, you're in the advisory business, right? So um, this requires human expertise and advice. So, I mean, coming back to David's point, do you think what you're you're creating is a little bit contradictory to what you're offering as a business service. I mean, developing autonomous solutions where, you know, do you think this is going to put advisors out of business in the future? Um, I'm not sure about advisors, but what I do know is that um, our goal uh, as a company is to increase the results of uh, growers and entrepreneurs around the world. And I think the next step in really uh, improving your results is using your data in a more uh, efficient and a smarter way. So, uh, that's what we are uh, uh, trying to target with the, with our clients. And we try to help them as much as possible in using their data as good as possible. So I think it's very complementary uh, uh, to the services we already uh, supply. So analyzing and, and finding uh, patterns in, in that data and help translating it to, to clients you're working with. Great stuff. Brilliant. Well, um, Bo, let's, uh, let's bring you back. A fantastic backdrop, by the way. For uh, IUA class, class. So, um, talk me through your your approach this year. Talk me through your methodology and and, and some of the sensors you used for your your solution. Uh, okay. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. And uh, this year we think uh, what type of AI strategy prototype is for the human hybrid intelligence. Uh, the AI is going to Okay, uh, Bo, sorry, the, um, the, the, the connection on my side is a little bit delayed, so um, we'll, we'll come back to you in a second. We'll maybe just let the connection sync up. But um, 
why don't we why don't we bring up the the audience poll and then uh, we'll come back to Bo to see if we we can get a, a better sound quality. So um, we have an audience poll. We'd like to um, just ask everyone watching to take part in just to see what you believe um, is the greatest challenge when it comes to developing and scaling autonomous greenhouses. So um, to everyone out there, we had a good balance between the solution providers and the academia and uh, greenhouse owners. Do you think it's education, human knowledge and experience? Do you think it's sensor availability, greenhouse infrastructure, data quantity and quality, or integration of all of the above? I've got a prediction, I think, which one this will be. But um, so the audience, again, what do you think is the greatest challenge when it comes to developing and scaling autonomous greenhouses? Let's just give everyone uh, a couple of seconds to uh, get through this one. Okay, can we see the results on that, please? That's the uh, yeah integration of all the above. So a few answers on all of them and an integration of all of the above. Now, um, actually, in my speed to uh, get through, we actually forgot to uh, introduce uh, Zhao Yi from AICU. So uh, Zhao, apologies for that. Again, nice, nice job on the background. Why don't you give us a quick um, introduction to your team and then we've got a couple of questions for you as well, please. Okay, hello everyone, I'm team captain of AICU. Uh, I think uh, you put the most important team at, at the last. <laughs> Our team consists of uh, nine people. We are employees and the researchers from different companies and uh, organizations, and we're all based in Netherlands. And we also participate in the first challenge, and this time we come with three new team members. They bring in new expertise in data science and AI. And we believe uh, growers' experience uh, is still more valuable than anything else at this stage. How to correlate sensor data with their knowledge and uh, how to abstract human experience uh, into algorithms is uh, still a very important topic. We hope to uh, continue working with people from different domains uh, and bring autonomous greenhouse to, to a higher level. Fantastic. Higher level. Nice, uh, nice, nice note to finish on there. But um, it's a really great, diverse team you, you've brought together. And I was interested to read that um, in last year's competition, you actually used uh, homemade sensors, right? Talk about innovation. Yes. So is that the same this year? Did you, did you have to innovate and come up with your own sensor? Uh, and not really. Last year we have a prototype uh, AICU matchbox sensor. Uh, it's actually a, a palm size uh, sensor which can measure temperature, humidity and light intensity. It's battery powered so and also wireless so it can be placed anywhere in the greenhouse compartment. Uh, however, we realized this kind of climate uh, sensor is not the limiting factor. Uh, also, there are a, a lot of other similar products on the market. So this year we didn't use it uh, for the challenge, but uh, go for some other ready to use sensors on the market. But uh, this year we especially look at the sensors that can that can give us more insight of the plant growth. For example, our sponsor Seed pro provide us uh, with a weight sensor that can measure the, the weight of the whole plants and the stem diameter sensor from to grow. Very good. So you were innovating and coming up with the sensor before it was on the market. Great to see. So, um, but just, just talk us through the kind of, I mean, you touched upon the international diversity of the team. I mean, so how, how did you all sort of come together? Because I think that's, 
I think we can talk a lot about the data and the technology and the sensors, but I think in terms of the team and, and the personalities that you have, how did you yeah. all sort of come together? Uh, I have to say uh, I'm proud of all my team members. You know, we are uh, a team staff from Garage. Everybody works on this project uh, in their spare time. And they did a great job in uh, both two challenges. Um, at the last two challenges, we're competing with all other big tech companies and great horticulture companies. But uh, I think we still did a great job. Um, most of uh, us are from Wageningen Uni University and are also very good friends. Uh, although after graduation we went different uh, directions, but we still share uh, we still share uh, same uh, visions uh, in horticulture. So uh, we decided to go for the challenge for these two years. Uh, also. Uh, we are all friendship-based or family-based. My husband, Liang, is a software engineer, and he is also very interested in this field. So he become our technical guy. And basically, all other members are all based on friendships. We think it's very important to, uh, that all team members can communicate smoothly and understand each other easily. That's what the friends with strong bonds can do. Fantastic. Well, hopefully this process has strengthened um, the, the friendships amongst you all. So uh, thank you, Zhao. So let's, um, let's bring in uh, Leonard and uh, the team there. Hello to all of you again. So um, Leonard, from, from those poll results, would you agree? Do you think um, the integration of all of those challenges is kind of one of the biggest hurdles preventing greenhouse challenges, bringing all those different challenges together? Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, that's also why we as a team uh, um, try to bring those two worlds together. So you, you need, to do, uh, you need to, to do all. But actually we really, yeah, we try to uh, look at what the grower is doing and then uh, look at what kind of goals he's achieving and then split that up into, into blocks which you then have to integrate again. Yes. Okay, so breaking it down. But um, now, let's, let's talk a bit about your AI strategy this year. Talk us through the kind of the fundamentals and, and your approach. Yes, well, that's uh, more or less what, what I was just saying. We, we did not try to make, uh, as others have tried, and we think that's virtually impossible to try to make one big system that sort of spits out all the right things at once. And you take a lot of historic data and, and train, and because then, then you, you're mimicking a grower. Instead of that, we just try to look at what those goals, what the grower is trying to achieve. And then uh, what's important is you have to objectify uh, and quantify that. And once you do that, you can split it up and then you can choose appropriate AI for those blocks. So we use some really straightforward AI, like uh, not, nothing too special, some machine learning. Uh, we tried some more advanced uh, system uh, at well, using only data from the greenhouse itself. So. So, so different kinds actually, and we just try to find the right AI for each block and then, yeah, build something that works. And I, I think we did. Very good. So selectively choosing AI and focusing on, on sub challenges within the overall competition. Great stuff. Well, um, we have a couple of questions from the audience, but let's just quickly bring in um, Shun Su from Team Digilog in uh, Korea, because I think it's, um, hello to all of you again. Um, Hi. Hi, hello, good evening. Um, so let's, I kind of want to get your viewpoint on um, 
how, how you think this, the, the, the wider discussion of, of how this could impact, um, you know, South Korea's horticultural industry, I mean, how much mm. of an impact and potential do you think autonomous greenhouse technology really has for the, the country in terms of sustainable food supply? Well, that's a good question. Well, given the circumstances of economy here in Korea, uh, agriculture sector is uh, valued as a less important than other sectors. But we wanted to uh, make it grow and to have a, a developed by, uh, by other technologies, including artificial intelligence and machine learning, as well as sensors and hardware, all the good uh, techniques that the Korea is good at. And that's one of the reasons that we gathered so many different members and companies and universities. Well, although it's just a volunteer based, we uh, spent a lot of time together and, and we, I think we made up a, a quite a progress and quite impact here in Korea, not only, not only in, in the sense of a te technolo te technology applied in agriculture, but, but uh, we can do something even in agriculture sector here in Korea. Great stuff. So, so you're excited. You think this could potentially lead to new business models for uh, South Korea? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's that's what these here. guys will do in yeah. the future. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we'll stay there because we have some questions um, from the audience, and this is maybe uh, putting you guys on the spot. We have a couple of minutes um, from a Chris Norris. If each team could only choose one sensor, one sensor, if that's possible, what would they choose? So, uh, Sue, you 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 have the microphone. What would you say? You can only choose one sensor. One sensor. Well, uh, well, that was a question that, that I was being asked yesterday, uh, the, the last Friday, but I picked a light sensor because we wanted to take, take, uh, take the most use of lighting efficiently to, in order to maximize the photosynthesis. So that was uh, the, 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 the choice of a Team Digilog. Team Digilog, great stuff. Uh, Zhao, what about you? Would you agree with uh, Sue, a light sensor? Or would you go for something else? Uh, for light, I agree, but uh, I would prefer an integrated sensor that can measure many other things. <laughs> ah, come on. <laughs> okay, so an integrated sensor for multiple uh, parameters. Okay, yes. Bo, um, hopefully we can bring you back in. I know we had some, some audio issues. Bo, are you, uh, are you still there? Can you tell us what you would choose if you only get the choice? One sensor? Okay, looks like we may still have um, a bit of connection issue with uh, Bo. If you can, let's try you one more time if you can come in. Okay, so uh, we'll just wait for, for Bo to come back. But um, on my screen to the right is uh, Leonard. Okay, one, uh, one sensor. Let's see if the team behind you agree. You can only choose one sensor. Well, if, that's, if that means one extra sensor, it might be, might be possible. Even then, it's, it's not possible. But uh, the... Uh, we have to look at the roots and we have to look at the top of the plant at least so we have to look into the into the slab of the, the plant just look at water content and we have to look at the head of the plants with uh like um uh leaf temperature okay so uh leaf temperature but ideally one is not going to cut it right so uh klaus would you agree with all of the rest of the uh, the team captains or what what would you say on this um yeah, I think I agree with all of the others that one will probably be not enough. But if we have to choose one, we'll probably go for a sensor which really measures the crop because that is your factory which has to perform well. Um, and I would go for the juice flow sensor because it incorporates a lot of uh, uh, processes in the plant. And if that goes down, then there's probably else going wrong. And at least you know if it's going well or if it's not going well. Okay, thank you, Klaus. So. Um some good answers. I think um, 
think the overall perhaps is that one sensor won't cut it. But um, we have some other questions come in, but um, just on the interest of time, we'll, we'll forward those to all the team captains to come back to the audience as well. So I'd now like to um, reintroduce uh, Professor Silke Hemming, because we're going to look at some of the data presented from the teams and generated um, as we build up to the moment you've all been waiting for, which is the uh, the result. So, uh, Silka, let's bring you back in to, to go into a bit more detail on on the the data and, and the profitability as well, please. Yeah, now it's getting excited. Hilda, can I have the first slide? Well, here you see a picture um, of the greenhouses at our location in Bleiswijk where everything happened. And on the next slide, you can see that this greenhouse complex consists of different compartments and we took six of them, which are equal. They had equal equipment. Uh, they were some high-tech greenhouses, but we also used uh, our equal staff to uh, do the work within the six compartments. Um, well, on the next slide, we, we see that we also used an equal tomato variety, which is the tomato variety Axiani, a sherry tomato with a very good uh, taste. But teams could decide, make decisions from the beginning on um, how many stems per square meter they wanted to plant inside the greenhouse. And they wanted to maintain it during the whole growing period. The plants were planted on the 16th of uh, December and you see different stem densities chosen by the teams. You see low densities, but also high densities. And you see a different development in time. Uh, and here it's important to point out the gray line. Please remember that on all slides. The gray line is our reference growers. So they started high and at the end, they even decided to double the stems. Was that a wise choice or did other teams manage better? On the next slide, we see that also at the end of the, uh, if you can go back, uh, Hilda, uh, at the end of the growing cycle, we see decisions made different on the topping dates when we put out the hat and uh, you see a two weeks difference uh, between um, the uh, orange team and uh, the last one was the black team. Yeah, that creates difference in production. On the next slide, we also see that the operational decisions on the plant load development were different. There were, was the black team having a high plant load all the time. There was the orange team having a much lower uh, plant load and the reference somewhere in between. What was the best decision? On the next slide, um, the teams uh, had to make decisions on their climate strategies. So we know that uh, plant production is boosted by temperature, light, CO2, and having all those three growth factors in balance. Here we see the result of the decisions of the teams. We see that, for example, for temperature, uh, the gray line is um, very much on the top. So it seems that the reference growers uh, had the highest uh, average temperature. Whereas another team, for example, the, the blue one, decided uh, not to use so much heating energy and uh, decided to use lower temperatures. Did that end up in a good production? And a very interesting one is also the, gray, uh, the, the green one. At the end, they seemed uh, uh, to uh, believe that 30 degrees was a, a wise choice. We will see. 
Uh, on the right-hand scene, you see also different strategies in light, um, which was handled by the different teams. And on the next slide, you see also very large differences in CO2 concentration. So uh, where the uh, growers were a little bit uh, more reluctant, uh, boosted CO2 at the end, uh, we had the orange and the black team putting in a lot of CO2. We also saw differences in the irrigation strategies. Uh, for example, uh, the blue team uh, used uh, much higher ECs um, and probably we will see later that it also resulted in a different quality. What you uh, see here is that differences uh, in these strategies occurred, and, um, but that leads to two things. One of them boosting production and the other one using maybe more resources. Both are important for our end goal, the net profit. On the next slide, we will see the result in production. So here you can see what the teams produced and we clearly see that there are two teams the black and the um, green one, which performed a little bit better than our reference grower, the gray one. That's only production. I said it's also important that we have a good quality of the fruits because with a better quality, you could reach higher prices for your product. So let's have a look at the quality development on the next slide. Uh, here we see the uh, bricks of uh, the tomato fruits in time. And we see the result of the higher EC of the um, blue team. Uh, they had, uh, in, in, in average, a higher BRICS value, which also resulted in higher prices. However, they didn't have such a, a large end production, so maybe the uh, net profit was not the highest. So let's have a look at the net profit. Uh, no, first have a look at the resource use on the next slide. So we now have seen the production, we have seen the quality, which will end in a certain amount of uh, profit gains. But we also have to have a look at the resources used. So if you gain a high production with a lot of resources, that will uh, cost you a lot. Uh, here you see the ranking of resource use uh, of the different teams. And you clearly see that the green and the orange one were the ones using the least resources for their production. Um, and you see that maybe the reference growers had a high production, but they also had used the highest amount of resources, which you can clearly see in this slide, and um, especially on, um, on heat and also electricity. By the way, that brings me to an important part of this challenge. This resource use, this sustainability, so it's resources per kilograms product produced. With this um, criterion, the uh, teams could gain 20% of the points. So you can see here in sustainability, green and orange team are ranked first and second but even more points could be gained with net profit, which we see on the next slide. This is the development of net profit in time. With that, the teams could gain 50% of the points. And the last 30% were given by the jury on the AI strategy. This will be explained by the jury later on. We can see that already from the beginning, the green team was highest in net profit. 
and they could stay up front until the end. However, the orange team was really uh, in their uh, back and at the end they almost took over, but not yet. So what we see is um, also in net profit, green and orange team are ranking first. It's a close finish and the others are behind. And here we see that unfortunately, uh, or maybe fortunately, all the five AI teams could uh, reach a better performance on net profit than the growers. And uh, so I think that's already a great result. What did we learn from the challenge um, um, next to that? So number one, yes, all AI teams outperformed the human reference, which I think uh, is a really interesting result. It shows that apparently a computer can make these decisions on uh, productivity versus resource use in a quite um, 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 objective way. Uh, but what we, did we also learn? We saw that different climate strategies, which were clearly used by the different teams, resulted in not so different um, total production. They all did a very good job, but they resulted in different sustainability, so in different resource use. What we also learned, if we analyze the data, is that the crop management, the strategy for the crop, so how many stems, how many fruits, uh, when to top, um, are one of the key elements uh, for high production, but also high quality production. And we clearly see that the, uh, one of the teams had um, a very good um, a strategy for that. Um, what we also learned from this challenge is that we need objective data um, to make decisions. So uh, we need data on all as aspects of the growing. So also on the crop, objective data to compare and translate them into algorithms. If you don't have that data, um, this development is uh, hampered. And if you have data, the question is, what do they mean? If you measure a certain subflow, what does it mean? How do I make an interpretation? Uh, and what do I need to take for actions? And this has been done by AI algorithms and sometimes also some human experts were involved in all the teams. But what is next? Uh, we only automated until now the decisions on climate and irrigation and cropping. But if you want to have really autonomous greenhouses in the future, well, then we also need to think uh, about the labor, the crop labor still needed in the greenhouse. We either have to train them to be excellent and to uh, work well together with the AI, AI algorithms, or we need to think about maybe more automation also on this field in the future. With that, I would really like uh, to thank you all. Um, I would like to thank my colleagues, the reference growers, all the team captains, and of course, uh, our sponsors. Um, and uh, let's see who is the green or the orange team. Thank you, uh, Professor Hamming. Uh, some great information there. I thought it was really interesting how, um, particularly on the sustainability and the resource, um, and how 
actually the reference grower was the, the highest user of resources, but actually one of the concluding points was that all AI teams outperformed um, the reference grower. So now I'd like to, is everyone getting excited, right? I mean, we're gonna build up now to the, the announcement of the, uh, the result. So to help me with that, I'd like to introduce a very important man when it helps to coming to judge the Autonomous Greenhouse Challenge uh, and the solutions. He's head of the jury for the challenge, as well as head of the chair group of horticulture and product physiology. He's been at the University of Wageningen for over 11 years with research focusing on how physiological processes on crops, plants and plant organs interact with the abiotic environment and how this affects crop production and product quality. He's a great advocate for sustainable horticulture and believes research and education will also contribute to sustainably feeding the world with healthy, high quality products. So on that note, I'd like to introduce and welcome Professor Leo Marcellus to say a few words about the jury. Well, Professor thank Marcellus. you, uh, Tom. Yes, I'm very happy that I can say a few words on behalf of the jury and uh, evaluating all those teams well, I would like to say they did do really a fantastic, or they had a fantastic result. You've seen already that they got all, they got a higher net profit than the reference growers. And we consider them all as being winners. They really, they do an excellent job. So what we did do as a jury, well, we looked at um, the net profit, the sustainability, and we, but we also evaluated their AI strategy. And then we looked on, well, is it functional, their uh, AI? Is it, what is it, the novelty? Is it scalable? Is it robust? Before we go towards who is the winner, I would like to say a few words about each team. And that's in random order. In fact, it is in the order that they presented last week, their results. So the first team I would like to say a few words about is the IUA.path. What, what we very much like uh, on their approach is their approach of crowdsourcing. Um, crowdsourcing can really give a boost to open innovation. And this team, it made the optimization of the whole greenhouse system most explicitly. And they excelled in making a good ontology. They did do this by making knowledge graphs. Knowledge graphs is in fact a standardized frameworks in which data and knowledge are structured such that the knowledge is created, which can be interpreted. And this is also an important step towards autonomous greenhouses. And uh, as a last, they had also a, an interesting quote. Um, they said, well, AI can do better than most humans, but not better than all humans. Okay, then I would like to move on to the next team. The next team is Digilog. So what Digidilog did, they made the best scientific effort to explore the various options of AI. And this team pointed to the importance of good open source simulation tools for training uh, of AI methods. So Digilog tried many different AI approaches like machine learning, imitation learning. They also made several attempts with reinforcement learning agents different attempts with deep learning. And what they did do is in fact, they show the possibilities, but also the limitations of AI. And this is really what we need. And this is what is needed to help the worldwide community to progress in developing autonomous greenhouses. 
Then they would like to move to the next team. The next team is the automators. This team decided to start with a very ambitious strategy and they had the motto, do or die. They convincingly showed that a real-time model of crop transpiration uh, can be used also with the use of sap flow sensors. So real-time crop transpiration modeling and using sap flow sensors. They described a very realistic step-by-step step-by-step approach towards autonomous growing, where the role of the humans, they gradually decline. And this is a process where we move from a manual growing to data support, to data-driven decision. And finally, we end up at the autonomous management. And this team, uh, what we also like is this team is already working with growers, applying the lessons learned from the challenge, the challenge of last year, and also the challenge of this year. Then I move on to the team's automatoes. So what the team automatoes they do, I think they made a very smart choice in well analyzing and using the data of the challenge of the previous year. They put the plant central and made a good use of domain knowledge. They paid well attention to develop a robust system. To do so, they performed a failure mode analysis, anomaly detection, they analyzed fallback scenarios, and they also included some redundancy in the system. They had a very good engineering approach, and they made a clear framework, which is model-free. And we concluded that uh, they had a well-applicable solution for all over the world. Then the team AICU. So also this team adopted an open source approach and such an open source attitudes, well, that, as I mentioned, that helps the innovation in greenhouses. They developed a clear framework for the greenhouse control with two layers. That is a short term a layer for short term, short day on, on days, uh, sorry, hours and the long term uh, over days. What we also like is the simplicity in the algorithms. And they show that the long-term strategy is even more important than the short-term. They also show the clear logic in how to use real-time sensors in the greenhouse control. And I would like to finalize with just a few general comments on what we have seen with the groups is, we've seen that greenhouse science is still quite different from computer science. And here's still a lot to gain in combining those two worlds. We need um, both domain knowledge as well as AI, and we need to integrate this. Also, data availability is still limited for uh, AI application. And we really need for good data. Um, but we've also seen, even without a true global optimization, the knowledge of, uh, sorry, the use of knowledge and um, AI uh, can outcompete the grower. We also think AI, while it should not focus on mimicking the experienced grower, it can do already better. Although we could all say, well, mimicking an experienced grower still could help unexperienced growers a lot. Uh, we also learned that crop sensing by proper instrumentation, supporting database models can help to bring cultivation 
to a high level. So we could say the green fingers can be improved or they can even be overruled by these techniques. So the benefits of AI for greener horticulture, they are enormous. We are still at the beginning of a new era. Nevertheless, it's also clear that at this moment, the grower is still needed. Um, well, I hope that it gives a bit of an overview of our evaluation of the teams. Well, uh, thank you, Leo. Some, some great information and further context. And I think to summarize the beginning of a new era and also coming back to that theme of integration that we heard from our audience as well. So now we are nearly there. So uh, hold on in terms of the announcement of the winner. But if we can have all team captains, please uh, put their videos and audios back on just whilst I uh, ask uh, Leo a quick question. So, uh, okay, do we have uh, Bo back in the house as well? I know we had a, a couple of technical issues. Um, I think Lule Lan. Perfect. Okay, I think we have a, a stand-in for uh, Bo. We have Leonard, uh, class. Perfect. Okay, so um, just whilst we're, we're finalizing those connections, Leo, um, quick question to you. Um, what really sort of opened your eyes this year? Because you're involved in the first edition. You have fast, fast expertise in all these different areas in terms of the integration. But did you see anything this year that you thought, wow, this, this has blown my mind or this has been completely new to you? What, what was kind of your wow moment this year? I think what I see is a big difference compared to last year is the use of more sensors. Um, and I think that's really a great development because I think that is definitely one aspect which is also needed. So I've, to me, that was a, a, a further improvement compared to last year. So more increased number and use of sensors. Okay, well, um, if everyone wants to get their glasses of champagne, of coffee, okay. of cappuccino, espresso, whatever you have, and I'm going to hand over to Leo to uh, do the honours on the winner, please. Okay, yeah, so I'm very excited now to announce the winner. So I hope you have all your, your glasses. I have already my early morning champagne. <laughs> <laughs> so the winner is... Oh, the winner is the winner is so and before oh sorry i forgot to say the winner is it was really a close finish in you've seen the net profit and the net profit was very close between two teams but also in other aspects the first two teams were very close but overall the winning teams scored highest both or no sorry scored highest on net profit sustainability as well as uh the AI. So it's also very good to see that net profit and profitability can go hand in hand. So the winner is Automatos. Congratulations. <laughs> Everyone, please raise a glass to uh, Automatos. <laughs> and Automatos, this is the thing that you will get. I'm not sure if you all can see it. <laughs> <laughs> and I will drink. <laughs> Congratulations, guys. Well done. Thank you. Yes. We, we didn't dare opening the champagne before it was actually actually true. So, <laughs> well, um, Leonard, stay with us for a couple of minutes and congrats to all the other team leaders and everyone for taking part whilst we have there and, and before you guys get too carried away on the champagne. Um, so how does it feel to be a winner? Is this something you, you were expecting to win the competition? It, it's, it, it, we're overexcited, of course. We, 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 
overexcited, yeah. But we, we really didn't uh, know what we were getting into. We started this about a year ago. And then um, um, well, we just had fun and we looked uh, into the hackathon. And then uh, when we made it through, we were also a bit scared. Because after that, then we really had to do it. So we're, um, but that soon changed. I, I felt like in October already, November, I was getting confident seeing how we worked together and how we brought the knowledge together. So already then I was starting to get confident. And um, of course, still at the end, it was getting more and more excited. So at the end, we're just overly excited that we made it. Fantastic. So uh, what's next for your team and you guys? Obviously, apart from the champagne this morning and, and, and into lunch, I hope. <laughs> yes. That's a good question. It, it doesn't stop uh, for us here. That's also already we decided a year ago. It's just uh, something in... Uh, uh, something that we will continue for a long time. Obviously, we're not there yet. So we will be doing some, some research into uh, fundamental things, really, control techniques. We will be doing trials. So we already started uh, a few trials similar to this with the same approach. And um, yeah, we'll start bringing uh, commercial products on the market uh, quite soon, actually. I think it will be interesting to join the green tech <laughs> there we go a nice little plug there well uh well done team well done leonard and everyone else and uh, enjoy the champagne but um congratulations so let's let's bring back in um oh, yeah, sorry, mate, a final uh, final comment uh, yeah a compliment to the other teams because uh they, they they really did a great job and the organizing team they put in all these efforts so i would really like to thank them again the sponsors and the, and the team so Compliment to you all. Thank you. Thank you. Let's uh, let everyone raise a glass to the other teams as well and to uh, Wageningen University and Tencent for organizing. So uh, cheers. Um, speaking of uh, the university, let's bring back uh, Silke. We have time for a, a couple of quick questions. Just and uh, Silke, if we can, uh, we can bring you back in because I think everyone watching and everyone uh, attending the Green Tech uh, other virtual events this week will be wondering what's next for the competition. This is the second edition. So uh, what does the future hold? Well, uh, yeah, what, uh, what will the future bring? Um, at the moment, we as organizers, we are happy that um, it's all over. <laughs> we, it was really a lot of fun to do the challenge, but it was also a lot of work. So we uh, um, really are happy that now we have reached this final uh, uh, event and I really would like to uh, congratulate all the teams and especially the automators uh, for uh, winning the challenge. Um, so and in the future, yeah, um, if we have enough sponsorship, we might want to organize it again. Cheeky but this call is not for a sponsors. <laughs> okay, Leo, you're still on the camera as well. Any any kind of final comments from you or congratulations you'd like to say to the team, the winner and the teams? Yeah, as I, as I mentioned, the, all those teams are winners. They all performed very well. Um, so I congratulate them all. And I think we are really here at a new era. This use of AI, we are just at the beginning. This will expand in the coming years. So many opportunities. And it's great to see this, to see this happen. Fantastic. Well, we do have some other um, comments and uh, questions to get through. I think we have time for one question. Maybe we can, we can quickly throw to both of you. Um, this is from Arvin uh, Febrian. So what are the, some of the tips to start with uh, autonomous growing, i.e. which sensors, what approaches? Um, I currently have several hydroponic setups in my home and would like to start this project. So someone uh, tuning in, Arvin, a quick comment from both of you, if you will, where, where to get started? 
So Silka, if you could just quickly comment on that, please. Yeah, well, I think uh, uh, all the teams might agree with me that the standard set of sensors, uh, which is uh, temperature, humidity, CO2 and um, light, um, are really important. And we have seen in the, um, in the last challenge where one of the teams didn't use any additional sensors, could also have the third place uh, of the ranking. So I think those things to have the basic information on the greenhouse are essential. Um, uh, but next to that, I think also the teams get some answers. Eh? So even more light sensors on all levels, get, having more information on the crop, um, uh, like the subflow or the weighing uh, of, of the crop uh, might help uh, to um, digitize your environment. Okay, and uh, Leo, if you can, uh, 30 seconds just to wrap up. Start with the plant. It's all about the plants, so please start with that. And then you can add out. You can have the standard sensors, you could have additional sensors, and you can bring in the AI. Start with the plant. Start with the plant. Fantastic final words. Well, um, I'd like to thank Silke, thank Leo, thank uh, Wageningen University and Tencent um, for bringing the Autonomous Greenhouse Challenge. And I'd now like to hand over to the host, Mariska Dreschler from Greentech, to say a few final words as uh, we bring the, uh, the Autonomous Greenhouse Challenge ceremony to an end. So Mariska, over to you. Oh, thank you, Tom. Well, Team Automatos, congratulations. Um, together with the other teams, you are really pushing innovations to, uh, yeah, to the next level uh, for food production. Thanks to Wageningen University, um, Silke, David, team captains, uh, jury for your contribution to this inspiring Green Tech talk. Also, thanks to you as audience uh, for your attention and contribution with the polls and to ignite the discussions with your questions. And I would like to thank the Green Tech team. Together, we are the Green Tech community. Don't forget to fill out the evaluation form and share with us what you would like us to offer you for the near future. Also have a look at the Green Tech Marketplace where you find the best technology suppliers worldwide, inclusive the Dutch Formula One. Tomorrow and Wednesday we have our next talks. Please sign up if you don't have done that yet. And bye-bye from Rice Studio in Amsterdam right now. I look forward to meeting you tomorrow. Stay safe and healthy. Bye. <laughs>